Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez. This is the weekend check-in, as always, where I'm going to be breaking down Chet Holmgren versus Keegan Murray, which happened Wednesday night. We'll get the most recent Jabari Smith Jr. game, which was Thursday night. Um, and then, obviously, maybe a couple of other topics if I have the time for it on this episode. But let's get right into it. So jumping right in this game, obviously, the first thing I'm going to do every time is redo the box score. Right. So we're looking at Chet Holmgren's stat line. Um, you know, it's it's a very strange game for him. OK, now he he has eight points on three for eight from the field and one for two from three, one for two from the free throw line. He had five rebounds, three assists. And this is the big one. Right. Five steals. Um, but I'll talk about those steals. Um, six fouls. You know, Chet Holmgren is really struggling with the with the uh, the light whistles, right? Like the the very free whistle calls. Like in the NBA, there's gonna be uh, a lot of foul calls, right? And and this this is an experience for Chet Holmgren to understand. You know, uh, in college, they might let a little more things go than they do in the NBA. Um, and I think he's starting to understand this because I think his hand hurts from whipping it around after every block attempt. <laughs> from trying to get the ref, uh trying to get the referees to review the play, right? He wants them to review a lot of these plays. Um so you can tell the frustration with the foul calls, the frustration with the goaltending calls. A lot of the frustration is aimed at the referees. Um you know, Chet Holmgren just kind of just like I said, just upset about a lot of these calls and you can finally start to see uh that transition, right? He's kind of like he's confused he he's he's more so surprised about the kind of calls that he's not getting or the calls that are getting called against him in summer league so far right so a lot of these fouls throughout summer league um are really like he's kind of bumping a player as they attack the basket on him um and then they call the foul a lot of those are bs in my opinion you know i'm not liking a lot of those foul calls uh where where chet's kind of just like kind of riding the 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 offensive player they're kind of like going alongside of each other and they're just calling the foul every time on chet um versus when guys are attacking chet um you know or when chet's attacking right he's not getting as many of those foul calls on the other end so i understand a little bit of the frustration but you know a lot of times too you know he's he is jumping right he uncharacteristically jumping i think he's he's really chasing these block stats right in summer league and a lot of those times are why he's causing uh why he's getting those foul calls uh he was a minus 10 in this game and i will say this right uh, there's going to be some clips that I'm going to be playing in this from this game uh, where we get some nice uh, Greg Anthony explanations of how valuable uh, Chet is as a playmaker, right? More specifically as a passer, right? Because he's talking about he may not get the assist, but he's making the pass that leads to the pass, right? So like a hockey assist kind of explanation. Um, and so this was the kind of game for Chet. He's initiating a lot of the offense, just not getting the stats to prove, uh, like the assist stat, right? He's just not getting those. Um, but the ball is swinging a lot. So he's, he's contributing in that sense, but this was a bad game for Chet. Um, and so let's move on to Keegan Murray, 29 points, nine for 17 from the field, two for seven from the three. And I'm going to say this about the three. Um, two for seven is a bad percentage, obviously, but the shots looked really good 
right? They looked awesome. They they were they they were all like kind of in and out, and you know they're bouncing around the rim. They were really good looks. They just didn't fall. Um, nine for eleven from the free throw line, uh, which by the way I believe nine of those free throws uh, were in the uh, first half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so he's got the seven rebounds. He's got the two assists. He's got the four steals. He was a plus twelve. He was amazing all around. I, this was, he wins this exchange all day long, right? This was Keegan's game. Keegan has been balling in Summer League. And I did tell you guys uh, before that Keegan Murray and Paolo Bancaro matchup to look out for Keegan Murray because there was kind of a, a, some disrespect. Anytime the Sacramento Kings draft someone, right? It, it's, it's always, it's kind of like tradition, right? For a lot of people to kind of uh, mock the the draft pick you know make fun of the kings and whatever it is but this is not one of those cases right um keegan murray might just win rookie of the year i think he might be my rookie of the year pick um just because of the way he operates and i'm gonna also show a clip to you guys uh mike brown kind of talking about keegan murray's contribution uh with or without the ball Right, he's gonna talk about that, and I'm gonna play that for you guys as well. So this was a massive Keegan Murray game. He looked aggressive. He was attacking. He wasn't playing outside of himself. Um, Keegan was just—he looked like a like a veteran out there in this game. Right, he was pumping guys into fouls uh, when he had the ball. He was finishing so well. Um, you know, off of contact, just unbothered by the contact, um, knocking down his shots, making his free throws. This was an all-around game, like I said, for Keegan Murray, right? Defensively, he did not look gassed. He he really he really looked great to that in this game, right? Um, I want to say that this is a guy that looks like someone that could have been drafted number one overall. I don't want to overreact because it's summer league, but when you see the skill set, it's just, he looks like a pro. He does not look like a first year summer league guy. He does not look like a rookie. If you watch his games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He is just so ahead of these guys out there on the court, right? I'm sure there's people in his corner um, that would have thought he was the number one pick. Um, obviously, it wasn't a popular opinion because Paolo Bancaro has shown that he has, you know, in, in the short stints, right, because he was rested very early in summer league. Um, but, you know, the short stints we saw from Paolo were very good, and I think you can you can think positive things as an Orlando Magic fan, right? But that's this isn't the Paolo episode. Again, this is uh, Keegan and Chet, right? So obviously it's noted here there's no Josh Giddy for the rest of Summer League, right? And no Josh Giddy in this game. So I'm already thinking, okay, let's see how the ball movement goes, right? Let's see where the shot creation comes from because without Josh Giddy uh facilitating out there, right? Continuing to run motion offense um and then having that two-man game with Chet um, let's see what we get out of Chet. Let's see what we get out of Trey Mann. Because clearly if Josh Giddy, who is, you know, uh, I'm not going to say he's ball dominant, but he's really the main um, playmaking facilitator, right? He's the main facilitator on OKC. The ball's in his hands a lot. So now we get to see the ball in other people's hands, right? Let's see how these players do with a bigger role 
in this game, right? And Trey Mann had a pretty good game, right? He's knocking down shots. He's attacking the basket. Not bad, right? Um, so I'm just going to say this, right? Uh, Chet didn't look great without Josh Giddy. okay? And that's going to be a knock, uh, on Chet for this game. I'm sure a lot of people are, are, are discussing that as well. You know, oh, well, look, Josh Giddy isn't there to bail him out, right? He doesn't have someone that can feed him the ball. Um, the ball was in Chet's hands a lot. He just wasn't, um, I guess, I get this vibe from Chet that he gets deterred from, from shooting, right? When the shot, when he knocks down his first shot, which was the three, right? The only three he made out of the two he took, it was the very first shot attempt for him in this game. He takes the three, he makes it, right? And then that's when the attempts start to ramp up, right? He, he takes another shot or, or he'll attack the basket. But then once the shot starts to miss, he'll start going back into playmaking Chet, right? Just not taking shots, not, not attacking too much, kind of just playing within the motion offense. Um, and that's just something that I noticed about Chet. Um, that's going to fit well with OKC, obviously, because like I said, Chet's not a ball hog. He gets rid of the ball real quick and he doesn't take a lot of shots either. And he's pretty efficient, right? Um, but in this game, not the case. So I got, I got a good sense of what we're going to see from Keegan in this game. And let's go ahead and play the clip, right? Where Mike Brown is kind of talking about, just how well he's going to fit in with the team. And it goes hand in hand with what I said about Keegan on an older episode about his patience, about him being poised, not looking for things that aren't there, not forcing um, the things on offense, right? Kind of just, you know, looking for good opportunities, just a smart player, knocking down shots. Let's play that clip here. What have you seen thus far from him and how you want to try to utilize him as he starts his journey? Now, you know, the, the one thing obviously everybody can see is he can shoot the ball at a pretty high level, especially for a young guy and a guy with some size. You know, the thing I was most impressed with so far is in the, during the California Classic, he had a really good first game. Uh, and then the second game, he came out a little slow. But he didn't go chase baskets. He didn't go chase points. He didn't uh, compromise our spacing so he can run up and go get the ball from somebody. And so to have that patience for a young guy, especially when you're the fourth pick in the trap and all eyeballs are on you, to have that, that patience and understanding and feel throughout the course of a, a game when you're struggling, to me, was the most impressive thing that he's done so far. And, and, and that bodes well with what you said. When, when, when our veterans see that, they know he can play, and they want to play with him yes. because of that. It's, that. it's that effect, right, that I was talking about that Keegan Murray has on the game. He is, like I said, he's patient, um, and it goes with his personality. That's why when I tell you guys to go watch those Mike Schmitz uh, interviews with these prospects, you're going to get a lot of gems from it because, I mean, obviously, if you're paying attention, you will, right? Like I said, uh, when I was introducing Keegan Murray on a prior episode uh, on this podcast where I was talking about he's very, uh, you can't really tell, you can't really see the emotion out of him. He's kind of like... He, he sh he's like Kawhi Leonard personality-wise. He's like Tim Duncan, where he can joke around, but he's very calm. He's very quiet. He's very soft-spoken, right? Doesn't really say a lot of things. When they interview him on the sidelines during the games or after the games, he's just, you know, it's, uh, it's just like, like I said, he's just very calm, right? And his, and his game is exactly how his personality is. 
it's 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 not flashy it doesn't it doesn't stand out um it, it's not something that you put a spotlight on and make a bunch of highlight movies right these are clean looks these are good shots these are uh you know take some contact finish the layups these are um making your free throws um moving away from the ball It's a lot of that, and this transitions extremely well to the NBA. Let me play you a clip here of Greg Anthony kind of also giving a little more detail to Keegan Murray's game. Here's Murray off the pump fake. You see what I mean there about he's never rushed. That's one thing that you love about when you see young players that don't allow you to speed them up. That that's impressive. That shows you he's got patience. He's very poised there. He had really the defender had the advantage on that play, but his little little head fake there got him up in the in the air, and then his presence to be able to nudge it, get that contact, and get back to the free throw line. So you heard the Mike Brown clips on Keegan Murray. You heard some Greg Anthony clip uh, information on Keegan Murray. Let me go ahead and play you some. Some audio from Greg Anthony also talking about Chet Holmgren's ability to playmake, right? Like It's like what I've been saying. He might not get the assist, but he'll get that hockey assist, right? The pass that leads to the pass that leads to the score, right? Um, and let me go ahead and play that for you now. You know, a lot of people, we talked about this yesterday, like, it's one thing to make a pass, but can you make a pass that creates an advantage for mm-hmm. your teammate? That's the key to being a good pass. It's not about your assist. Oftentimes, it's about... That pass is going to lead to a guy being able to attack, and maybe he makes the next play for right. a teammate. And that, that is so valuable to a team's success. Yes, always a great feeling to hear the analysts and these people that get paid a ton of money to talk about the game. It's always nice. It's a good validation of hearing the same things that I'm also seeing when I watch these guys play basketball, right? Um, it, 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 it's a confirmation of you know, we're seeing the same thing out here, right? But let me go ahead and move on to the next part of this episode. I want to talk some Jabari Smith Jr. after the most recent game against the Portland Trail Blazers, which was on Thursday. Portland ends up winning that game 85-77. to 77. Uh, Let's read you the box score at the beginning, same as always. Uh, Jabari Smith, 19 points, 7 for 13 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. Just couldn't even, honestly, could, just couldn't, couldn't drop a 3. Uh, five for seven from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, two assists, a block. And for some odd reason that I disagree with the analytics in, in some rare occasions, he's a minus two in this game. But I honestly, I can't, I can't understand how he was a minus at all in this game because he was he was awesome in this game. He obviously the 19 points sticks out to you and the seven for 13 from the field right now. People are going to look at the over five from three. But I'm here to tell you that the 0 for 5 from 3, all those shots were really good looks. And they just didn't fall, right? It was the same kind of scenario that we've seen at times with Jabari, right? The shot looks good. It's, it's just not coming. It's just not going through the rim, right? It's not going through down the bottom of the net. So the field goals, right? They were all mid-range pull-ups, um, attacks to the basket, right? Kind of like free throw line and in, right? Pumping guys into fouls. Uh, knocking down his free throws. He was really active on defense, as always, uh, with those 10 rebounds, obviously. He was he was catching a lot of those high up in the air. And what I like about Jabari is when he catches a rebound, it's the same sort of thing as Chet, 
where as soon as they grab it, they look ahead, right, to see what if there's a if there's a play that can be made in transition, right? So he throws a full court outlet pass to Deshaun Nix or Deshaun Nix. I'm not even sure how to say his first name to be honest. You hear it on the broadcast. They they've said his name like five different ways, <laughs> so I don't even know how to say that name. And so gets an easy layup because of he he because of the fact that he's running in transition right after Jabari Smith catches a rebound. And so that's something that I also like about Jabari is he doesn't just think to bring it up. He also just like I said he just looks up and tries to find a quick play that he can make off of that rebound. Um now there's no Josh Christopher in this game. Um they're going to rest him for the rest of summer league. Uh, it says here it's because of hip soreness. Um, but it's probably also just, you know, they've seen enough of Josh Christopher. He's clearly dominating Summer League. Um, you know, they probably want to open up more playing time for the rest of the guys to get to get a bigger, you know, a, a nice sample size of the other guys on the on the Summer League roster, right? Um, so that didn't stop Josh Christopher from taking a seat right next to Jabari uh, on the bench. He was sitting next to him, I think, the entire game, just kind of in his ear, just kind of looking like he was giving him advice, uh, when he was getting subbed out, you know, it looks like they're really building chemistry. This is really a patient game from Jabari. I think that this was probably his most, um, I'm not going to say his best offensive game because obviously he, he couldn't knock down the threes, um, but it was a nice overall game for him, a nice one to build off of. Um, clearly, you know, falling into his role, um, being really patient. He attacked a lot in this game. Right, attacking to the basket, but actually finishing, right, drawing a lot of fouls, getting to the free throw line, like I said. Um, one thing that I also like about Jabari, and it's something that I noticed about Chet too, is these guys, um, they run back and forth on possessions, even if they never got a touch on offense, right? Like these guys are not are not deterred by not getting the ball. They just kind of, all right, you know, uh, we, we missed a shot or we make the shot or whatever. And now it's time to go back on defense. These guys are just sprinting back and forth, right? They, they don't, they don't slow down in that sense. Um, Jabari was really smart on defense. He's trapping in the corners, but he's still making sure that he's keeping track of his man, whether it's on the top of the key or on the other side. Um, you know, just kind of not jumping on pump fakes, using his length. He got a nice little block at the end of the game. Um, by that time, the game was over. It was funny to see this kind of game, right? Because at first, it was looking like Houston was going to run away with this game. It looked like a blowout. And then they start to miss shots, right? They go away from sharing the ball, from a lot of the ball movement, and then they just start chucking shots. They start to go cold. And basically the game slipped away from them, right? There was no playmaking going on. Um, you know, like I said, no ball movement. They weren't making shots and they were just chucking shots. It was nonstop, right? It just didn't look good towards the end of the game. And clearly you could tell that not having Josh Christopher in this game was a disaster for them because that was a guy that really made things happen on both ends. And he was obviously a, a big center of attention for the opposing team's defense, right? You got to worry about Josh Christopher the most out of anyone else on the court when you're playing against the Rockets. And Josh Christopher not being out there, it was a huge gap in in the in their ability, right? Like it just it just it really hindered the Rockets to not have Josh Christopher out there, and you could tell. But I want to play you some sound. I heard this uh, when I, while I was covering this game. 
um, I was doing some searching online and I found like a, it's like a radio station for Houston where Jabari Smith Jr.'s uh, coach, Bruce Pearl, right? His coach at Auburn talks about the things he sees in Jabari Smith. And I'm going to go ahead and let it play for you. You can see how, you know, he's able to do lots of little things out there, both offensively and defensively. Um, and, and, and a real key is he just does not force the issue. And that's what makes him a winner. He lets the game come to him. He's really efficient with it. And you'll begin to see him do more and more as he gets, uh, as he gets older and more comfortable. So that's kind of been the same thing I've been saying about Jabari. Uh, and it's nice to see Bruce Pearl kind of saying the same things that I'm thinking. Um, he, right, he doesn't force the things. He did have that one uh, uncharacteristic game where it comes after him having a really quiet one. Right, I talked about that that last game where he was just shot chucking, forcing, rushing shots. Right, kind of uncharacteristic of Jabari, and it's good to see this kind of content because it starts to make sense. Right, as you cover an athlete, as you cover a prospect, uh, the things start adding up. Right, if you start to get multiple sources all saying kind of the same things about a prospect, you can you can kind of build it up and bring it all together, and you can kind of confirm what you're seeing, like I said before. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode. I'm your host, Vic Lopez. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this quick review, little weekend check-in. Uh, it probably ran a little longer than I wanted it to. It's going to be probably a different episode, uh, depending on the kind of games that we get, if players are continued to get rested. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for the next one, and I'll catch you on that one.